Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch we are counseling on Rock is Dying. Icons like The Who, Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, Beatles, and ZZ Top are really getting up there in age. As time went on, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Black Crows, and the Foo Fighters moved that torch and kept rock and roll alive. Now, we lack the mojo of old, and it leaves us wondering, is rock dying figuratively and literally? But who is still playing old school rock? How old are these bands getting? Are they still relevant? Should we just let it go? What gear is iconic to rock and roll? Will it make a comeback? And manufacturers, which iconic brands are doing it right? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Lloyd on the Tweed Couch. Lloyd, it is so great to have you back here on the couch to talk about something that I think is probably a little bit more on the on the lines of morbid but at the same time something that needs to be discussed something that needs therapy and that is about rock is dying not necessarily the music but the people the people of rock are dying so thank you yes, Lloyd for being here for me on mm-hmm. the couch cuz we're not dead yet here we no, are no not yet not yet not dead yet. I'll live while I'm alive and sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> you know, last Sunday, you and I had a lengthy conversation, like all yeah. afternoon on the phone. It was great. It was. I came in the house. Tanya was like, what were you doing out there? I said, oh, I was talking to Steven. She's like, this whole time? I'm like, yeah, we talked for two hours. And then she said, yep. did you at least get a podcast out of it? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> did no, not. we didn't. We should have. We should have record. But and what's crazy is we did not talk about this subject. <laughs> no. We talked about everything else. That's so right. you know what? I've gotten to this point. I actually came up with this idea. I think I might call them ambush series. Where basically I call somebody and I say, Hey, just so you know, I'm recording this. Mm. And then we talk. And if it comes out great. It's done. And if it doesn't turn out great, then forget it. Because in that same afternoon, I wasted a whole afternoon. This is the reason why I don't have videos out right now, people, is because I spend all my time talking to my friends about gear. And I was talking to Paul. Yes, I already got it. My brother, Paul. I was talking to him and we were talking about an idea I had for a podcast that I really wanted to do, which was guitars in movies. And we had a straight up argument about Back to the Future. Wow. Okay. And I oh. am so mad it did not end up on oh, the podcast. Dang, I was it hoping. was gold. It was yeah. just gold. So hopefully that'll happen sometime soon. But yeah. Yeah. Not this time. You, you'll never be able to relive that uh, moment of never. argument it was so magic. Good. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel ambushed on this podcast, truth be told. I have no idea where this is going to go. Well, uh, neither do I, which is part of the reason why I think it's so good that you and I are talking about Rock is Dying, because we're not talking about the music, we're talking about the people. And this is actually something that we started talking about a while ago, because first of all, it was Rolling Stones, Charlie Watts died. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, oh my gosh, a Rolling Stone died. And you and I had a little conversation about how like, 
Mick Jagger was getting ready to push 80. And we also had Keith Richards, who's pushing 80, but looks like he's 130. (laughs) And, you know, we started really like wondering about it. And then Van Halen died. Yeah. And we were like, whoa. Yeah. He's 65. Like, that's a big deal. And then Dusty Hill died from ZZ Top. And he died at 73. And that's when I said, we've got to do this. We have to have this conversation. Rock is dying. So I'm curious on where you're at on all this. So what are your thoughts on, on this, that the people of rock and roll, the classic rock artists, the Who, the Stones, the Beatles, Bob Dylan. I mean, that guy's like 81. Okay. What are your thoughts with this whole idea that rock is aging? Do you count Prince as rock? I would count Prince as rock. And I don't know if everyone would, but, you know, definitely, a, you know, a great guitar player in that realm. He fits right in with our, our conversation. And, and it just, you know, there's just been this quick run, like every, every few years, you know, Tom Petty goes down, Prince goes down, yes. and uh, Eddie goes down. And, you know, and all of these, Prince, not as much uh, as an influence as ZZ Top and Tom Petty and Van Halen, but losing members of all True. three of those really did hit me quite a bit. And I, and I thought about, there's a, there's a couple uh, gentlemen who are a little older than me that we talked kind of about this years ago. And, and for them, it was like, oh, when Hendrix died or when mm-hmm. Elvis went down, you know, and, yeah. and some of the old guys like, uh, Chuck Berry. Oh, yeah. This is the guys from my church. These were guys that they listened to a lot. And I, and I thought, yeah, yeah you know, it, it's cyclical, but it's not like it's our pain of the loss of our favorite rockers. Right. Buddy Holly. Oh, all sure. All of these guys that, that, that were predate all the guys that I grew up with. So I guess, you know, it's our turn to kind of feel the pain, you know? Yeah, and I would agree. It is kind of our turn with some of that. But some of this is also like, my dad's turn. So it's not just my generation that feels it. It's also like my father's generation that feels this. Because even though, yes, he was a big bopper, ventures, that style of thing, he also really liked the Stones and what ZZ Top did and ACDC and Eric Clapton and and all of those. And those guys are getting up there in age. And, you know, like, for example, Eric Clapton, 77 years old right now. Mm -hmm. A world without Eric Clapton. I know. I know. I just went and saw Sammy Hagar about a month ago. And really, because I'm like, I don't know how long the guy's going to be playing. He's 75. Yeah. These these guys. And he still sounded great. Can still hit all the notes, which is a whole nother uh, podcast. Amazing guys who can still do it. Oh, and Eddie Money just disappeared. You know, Eddie Money went down. Here recently. Really? Well, within a year, I guess. And well, actually, the day we were supposed to do this podcast, because we've had to reschedule a few times, but the yep. day that we were supposed to do it, Coolio died. Oh, okay. He is currently walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I have no response. But, yeah, but that Edit, was sad. Away. He was 59. That's not that old. No. Isn't that funny? He used to seem really old. Yeah, I know. Now that I'm 50, 53, not so much. Well, true. And actually, if you look at that time, I mean, George Harrison of the Beatles, he died at 58. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. it just lets you know how short life is because, you know, well, okay. Since we're talking about the Beatles, John Lennon, he died at 40, of course, assassinated. So mm-hmm. I don't know how well that counts. Ringo hmm. Starr is 82. Wow. So he's getting up there in age. And then Paul McCartney, he's either been dead for like 50 years or <laughs> he's 80. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really know. Yep. For those you- that don't know that 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 comment, um, they believe that Paul McCartney died in a car accident back in like the '60s or something, yeah. and they replaced him with a double. Yeah, <laughs> that's that is a conspiracy theory. That's yep, a thing. That's right. Well, apparently, about ten percent of the population still believes Elvis is alive too. So, you know, He's lar- not? That, that's a that's a pretty large. Well, you're one of the ten percent. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Yes. You win the idiot award. Yay. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I was I was kind of just going through a list of that it seems like you did too, of kind of just jotting down people's ages and just thinking about so many people, just so many of them that you said that are in that sixty to eighty range. Yeah. Of ones that really influenced me a lot. Oh yeah. That seventies and eighties specifically. You mentioned the Beatles. You did the one thing that I, I looked up out of curiosity was I, I put in various artists and it was like, who influenced this word? Like, who would uh, Eddie Van Halen would say who his biggest influences were? And, you know, if you can trust the internet. I think you can. I think you have to trust the internet. If you can't trust the internet, you can't trust anyone. Who can you trust? For the uh, sake of this podcast, we're going to say it's uh, trustworthy. You know, and he, he mentioned Eric Clapton. Yeah. Angus Young mentioned Chuck Berry and Freddie King and Muddy Waters. And Malcolm Hill was, uh, you know, a lot of the early rockers, including Eric Clapton. Clapton himself was, it was Hendrix and B.B. King and Muddy Waters and Robert Johnson. And, you know, Billy Joel and Steve Perry and Neil Schoen and Def Leppard. And I can go on and on and on. And Boston of all these people. It's a lot of the same names. What I was surprised to find, very few of them said the Beatles. Very few. Yeah. A lot of these rockers, you know, and I, I somewhat makes sense, but the Beatles, you know, they were jangly rock and roll. I would think like guys like Tom Petty, uh, maybe, yeah. or uh, Mellencamp, guys like that might be a little bit more influenced by them. But from the internet, anyway, they'd, uh, none of them say that. They all say guys like B.B. King and Albert King and Robert Johnson and Jeff Beck and Clapton and Santana and Zeppelin, you know as a lot of their influence. And I was like, man, the Beatles are, you know, one of the greatest, I would say, rock bands of all time. Yeah, yet, I would say so. My heroes, the people that I grew up, they don't credit the Beatles as influencing them. I found that interesting. You know, it is interesting. And I remember doing some research back when I did the Heaven's Door stuff with Nick talking about that that bourbon and we talked yeah. about what basically I did the Bob Dylan side and he did the bourbon side and we talked about it in a podcast one of the things that was mentioned was the Beatles actually felt like Bob Dylan was one of their big influences hmm. and Bob Dylan is obviously influenced lots of people yeah. everyone covers his stuff and I would yep. argue everyone does it better but at the same time, <laughs> what he did was good enough to be covered. And yeah. he's 81 years old right now, still alive. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's amazing. And so when I look at the Beatles, I mean, I think that the Beatles did a lot of inspiration for a number of different people. And it's just not something that they're saying out loud because after all, the Beatles were really only around for about five or six years in the mainstream. And then they kind of dropped off and did their own little thing. And yeah. of course, John went with Yoko and then died and, you know, all that. But... I think that the Beatles were a larger icon for what rock and roll music became than what they actually did. Because if you look at like their music, the chord structures, the lyrics, they were not your normal pop top 40 style. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the crowd that surrounded them would say they were totally pop top 40. If you listen to some of the stuff that came out of the the late 60s, early 70s from England, yeah, like happens today where uh, something's popular, and so then we just, we market that, you know, just market the heck out of it. Everybody has yeah. this sound now for a little while. It's very formulaic, and we just, it's just, it's been, yeah. go, it, it isn't new. This is uh, something that people have been doing since the, uh, you know, since they started recording. If something is marketable, it's going to sell, they jump on it. And so the Beatles, yeah. especially out of England, man, there's some of the earlier bands in the late, late 60s, early 70s that you listen to. They all have some songs in their repertoire that were pushed as like singles that sound like the Beatles. And so, yeah, obviously the Beatles had their place. I just found it interesting that since we're talking about the rock icons soon to die in the rock world. Most of the the players that I grew up listening, or you know, and not just me, the ones who were making hits on the radio, they said the Boston's, even Zeppelin and uh, and Queen. Looking through who influenced them, it was a lot of American Southern rock and blues guys that influenced yeah. a lot of them. And it really makes it when you look at guys like ZZ Top and Ted Nugent and uh, mm-hmm. Sticks. You know, all of them. You, we don't think of them as playing the blues. And right. I understand that, but that's kind of what Southern rock roots comes from. They, the players themselves would say they were influenced a lot by the blues, a lot about the, the, the BB Kings yeah. and the Muddy Waters and, uh, shoot, Robert Prey, Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson, you know, and I, I found that really interesting that even the English guys, guys in England even credit a lot of the American Southern, the early blues guys for them, yeah. uh, creating their sound. Well, and if we're going to go into kind of like the the who really influenced us, you know, granted, we're probably about a decade apart in the influence game. Mm-hmm. And my influences initially was Aerosmith and Bon Jovi. Hmm. And when you look at Aerosmith now, I mean, we're talking about like Steven Tyler, 74, Joe Perry, 72, Brad Whitford, 70. Tom Hamilton, he's, he was the bass player. You got 70. Joey Kramer, the drummer, got 72. Okay, so they're all in their 70s. And I haven't had my major, major influence start to die off yet. So I'm curious how I'm going to really start to feel with that. Bon Jovi, for the most part, Bon Jovi is pretty much stayed alive. Of course, they haven't stayed intact as a band. But... No. <laughs> You know, they pretty much stayed alive. And I think that's another one. I mean, when Richie Zambora goes, that's a rock legend. Yeah. Right there. 
Yeah. So I'm curious on some of your influence have started to go because I got into Van Halen, but Van Halen was an initial for me and it, and he was more of an initial for you, right? Yeah. There was uh, a Christian band by the name of Petra when I first started getting into rock music because I started up, started out listening to whatever my dad listened to, which was country music on the uh, 67 WMAQ AM, AM yeah. radio. And I loved it. Love it a lot. Of, I still love a lot of that stuff. But when I started getting to rock, it was the, the, the bands that piqued my interest were, uh, I said Petra did, but it was uh, Def Leppard and Van Halen and ZZ Top and Brian Adams and 38 Special and ACDC. Obviously, a friend, a friend of mine in high school. I never owned yeah. an ACDC album and said, I, I, to this day, I know their entire catalog because that's all he listened to. And we yeah. ride around in the car cranking ACDC. Kind of a sidebar story, you know, of our adventures over the various years, you know, we've got to meet various people. And I remember sitting with a guy, it was a, it was a Peter show, the sound company that came, it was a pretty big show uh, for the weekend. And the guy who owned the sound system from, they were from like Kansas City, Missouri. He was there all weekend long and I got to know him fairly well. Really good guy, loved guitar. I had the Marshall there and, you know, oh, yeah. we talked tone all, all weekend long and he provided the uh, the gear and ran uh, uh he wasn't acdc's house sound guy but he provided a lot of the gear so he was like second engineer okay on tour with acdc for a bunch of years and he told me uh about everybody thinks about angus young as being this great guitar player for for acdc and he's like yeah, which he is you should, he's a great he, guitar which player. he is and he said you should listen to malcolm play during soundcheck because he's like, he's better than Angus is. Yeah. And I've heard Angus say that too. And so now, now Malcolm's gone too. Yeah. You know, another one of those rockers. Not that I listen to the new ACDC stuff, but they're still recording stuff. But I know he was, he was a guy that came up with a lot of their riffs. Another band yeah. that, you know, I was a big fan of. I mentioned Def Leppard. Well, Steve Clark, the second guitarist for Def Leppard. I loved a lot of the hooky guitar stuff. That's what drove me. Yeah. And, and when I remember the first video we've talked on a previous podcast of the song, bring it on the heartbreak. And if you've seen yeah. that one or not, and they shot the solo Steve Clark is playing the solo on that. And for whatever reason, they wanted it to look really cold. And so I don't know if they put him out in the snow or what, what are they did? Cause it was, he looked pale. He looked like he was about to die. And, you know, the breath and the steam that's coming off him. I read an article later. It's kind of sad now that he is actually dead. He didn't die then. But he talked about it, you know, he talked about it later about, yeah, man, he said that was all real. You know, I really was freezing my butt off. But he came up with a lot of those catchy licks that Def Leppard did that got me into Def Leppard in the first place. And so when he died, that was probably my first real rock icon to pass away and yeah. it influenced their, their songs were not the same after that right he was the guy that wrote most of their he wrote most of their hit tunes you know or at least was the guy that brought the idea and even in the studio right. and other people's tunes he was the one who came up with some of the really great hooky guitar lines mm-hmm. and and i know everybody goes through this but you know we're all going to pass away. Rock icons are going to yeah. pass away. But I'm not finding many newer players to fill the void. And you, you look at the biggest tours around the world, right now, a lot of them are these big classic rock acts. Yeah. The Eagles, 
a bunch of the bands we've already mentioned. And um, the only band I can think of that's really doing a really good job that's kind of newer, but they're still my age, is the Foo Fighters. You know, right. they're doing the rock thing to a really great level. Heck, did you watch any of the uh, tribute? Oh, to Taylor Hawkins? To oh, Taylor my Hawkins. gosh. Gosh, it was really good. I saw all of it in post, you know, people posting stuff up on YouTube and, and everything. And I was so thoroughly impressed with how well Dave Grohl just jumped in with different things. And then yeah. when the Foo Fighters played, and of course they played Hero with Taylor's son, like that was yeah. super cool. And oh man, well, there's a lot of rock still out there. Oh my gosh. Well, everybody under the sun. No, I, the, uh, the one at Wembley, I watched the entire thing. I, well, I started yeah. it about an hour behind, so I was able to fast forward through a few things. But I sat in front of that computer for four hours and watched that thing live. I missed the one in uh, LA because it was during the week. It was like on a Tuesday right. night. So I watched some of the post stuff. But my thoughts were, this was kind of like a Woodstock thing, what they're doing here. And yeah. I, think, I think people are going to be like, you know, it's like we're talking about his rock dead or the rock icons dead. I'm like, the Foo Fighters might be the ones to keep it going. And I also thought, wow, I didn't really know Taylor Hawkins out that side of knowing that he originally was a drummer for Linus Morissette. Before yes. the Foo Fighters. But I didn't really know him. You know, he's the drummer for the Foo Fighters. You know, I know Dave Grohl. But now, I know Taylor Hawkins. And I went, Eddie Van Halen is the, one of the biggest influences from at least late 80s and 90s guitar. And still people. got it. And there was no tribute done to this man. And I'm like, yeah, the Foo Fighters, they knew how to do a tribute. Yeah, they did. And they did a really well. Like, oh my gosh. there are people out there who maybe didn't know who Taylor really was, but they were familiar with his work, whether they knew it or not. And I agree with you. It was so very good and so very well done to just go, look, we're paying tribute to a guy, but really, we're doing a big rock and roll thing for all these people. And I don't know if anything went wrong in the crowd or any yeah. of that, because that was the thing with Woodstock was they yeah. tried to do Woodstock in 99 and the crowd was so crappy and the security was so low that they just did a terrible job with it. This seems like it was way more a celebration of who yeah. Taylor was. People were more ruly. And they were okay with it. I just thought it was amazing. And, you know, and then you've got uh, Wolfgang Van Halen. Did you watch him on both of them? I saw that. Yeah, I also wondered what their lead singer was wearing. I was like, what yeah, is I, this? Are you the court jester with a PRS logo on the back? I yeah, don't know what's happening right know. now. I tried to move on from that. Yeah, well, we have to all. Well, you know, because Wolfgang, you know, I've been totally on his side. You know, he did his whole tour last year, opening up for Guns N' Roses with his new album, which is actually, a, it's got some good songs on it. It's a good okay. album. My take on him was like, wow, this is a talented guy. He's got a good voice. He played all the instruments on his album. But, you know, and the guitar That's is good. Amazing. Yeah, the guitar is good, but there's nothing super flashy on it. It's good. It's his own sound. It doesn't sound like, uh, sound like his dad. I thought that was great which is my point. He hopped up onto that stage and played Hot for Teacher and Panama 
And if you close your eyes, that was his dad. He had the right feel, the right tone. Yeah, I remember seeing Panama. And during that, I was going, this is Eddie. Like, he even hit the harmonics right. I mean, everything was just like, oh, my gosh. This is amazing. Yeah, and so Wolfgang has been, before this, uh, the Taylor Hawkins tribute, Wolfgang has been getting at shows people all the time are wanting him to play van halen tunes and he's like people i am a van halen but i'm not van halen you know it's like and he wants to do and he wants to chart his own thing and so he refuses to play van halen tunes at his concerts and i'm all for it on this he's like these are my tunes gonna do my own thing then he goes on to taylor hawkins and shows the world that he actually can do it it's not going to yeah. slow down at all for him when no. people trying to get him to do that. Because, oh, my gosh, I, I, was, I was shocked. I'm like, the apple did not fall far from the tree with this kid. He's No, and he, you can tell stellar. because if you remember back in Van Halen's time with, like, Gary Sharon and then doing, like, the recreation with Roth and Hagar and all that stuff that they ended up doing – Wolfie went on as the bass player with them yeah. for a number of those tours. Well, when he was 15 years old. Really? 15 yeah. years old? Yeah. And I can only imagine him playing and being a part of that and going, Dad, I'm really a guitar player. And them like just playing and being around each other and feeling yeah. the moment. I mean, that's a, that's a proud dad moment right there. Yeah. And Dad was alive for the recording of Wolfgang's album. They did. Oh, yeah. uh, it was recorded at fifty-one fifty. Dad didn't play on it at all. That was the agreement. But he was there to help them. Yep. You know, dial in tones that were different than. Even though they did, they they played all on Eddie's amplifiers and gear, but they they tweaked everything for a different sound intentionally. Something a little bit yeah. more modern, looking at its own thing. And it, it it's they did a good job on it. But like I said, now, man, he, uh, if he wants to sound like his dad, he can do it. Yeah, he can totally do it. Okay, so we should probably take a quick break for the sponsor. We're going to come back, and there is a couple of things that we need to talk about. Like, for example, the gear that you associate with rock. I think that's a good one. We also need to talk a little bit about who's doing rock well right now. And I want to circle back to something that you said, which was, who's really doing it right now? And I have a little bit of something that I think is a little eye-opening, and I'm, I'm curious on your take. So we're going to come back, and we're going to do all that after a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch, and it costs no money to you then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Who doesn't love a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In 2023, they will host one of the largest music festivals in the United States, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Kretzman Guitar Company has been repairing and building guitars. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, 
awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at KretzmanGuitars.com. Let's hear from our final sponsor. If you like my voice on this podcast, I am using a TechZone Audio Products Stellar X3, and I am honored for the opportunity to represent it. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. All right. Since we're back, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about this. Let's, Let's start with the gear. When you think of gear, what do you associate with the rock tone? What gear? Rollin Jazz Chorus. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. of the Line 6 Helix. Mm. Yeah, that's that it. Wasn't, We're done. It wasn't around then. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Good old solid state rock and roll. That's it. Um, or digital. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, okay. I'll just say, let's start with amps. When I think of amps, I think of British amps. I think of Marshall. I think of Vox. I think of High Watt. Yeah, me too. Which is interesting because Fender was definitely there, totally there. But I think of Marshall. I know. Going back to the blues rock, Southern vibe, a lot of those guys were using the Fenders, though. You know, the Muddy Waters, they were using that 5E3 circuit of the old Fender. uh, Little tweed combos. Yeah, that's what they were using. But I never gave them the time of day because I'm like, that's not rock and roll. Because by the time I was paying attention, people were using, it was really just because of wattage. You know, even right. the even the Vox AC30s, you know, weren't enough wattage for Jimmy Page and yeah. the Who. Well, go back to the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles yeah. played AC15s and they went, it's not enough. And then they went to AC30s and they went, it's still not enough. And then they created the Super Beetle, named after the Beatles because they needed more wattage. Because back at that time, they didn't have the sound system. They had amplifiers. And yeah. something to also project vocals. That's it. That's what they had. And uh, Pete Townsend from The Who. Oh, Pete. He was the one who requested the first 100-watt amplifier. And later, yeah. the 200-watt. Yeah. You know, amazing. Because he was like, it's, the 100-watt still wasn't loud enough for the way they were playing. The, you know, can you imagine how loud it was standing in front of yeah. those things on that stage? I'm sure they didn't. Well, of course, Pete oh, Townsend's yeah. deaf, you know. Yeah, that's true. But of course, Pete's 77 now. So, yeah, you know. But he was deaf when he was 50. He's happy. He can go anytime. Yeah. yeah. yeah he could. <laughs> he could. But yeah, so, yeah, really. Marshalls, um, obviously Queen. I just remember watching Brian May with his oh. white, real, like white 50 foot long coily cable that went to uh, <laughs> like 20 AC 30s all daisy chained together behind him. You know, because yep. he didn't have any wireless at that point. And just, oh my yeah, gosh. Just pushing air. Yeah. And I wasn't a big fan of his tone. Like on the We Will Rock You at the end where that guitar comes in at the end. It's so iconic. And yet I never liked it. I like it better now because it is what it is. But I'm like, really? Yeah. That's that's your rock tone? Okay. For We Will Rock You, that's what you're doing? But I was a young, young and didn't get it. Well, and it's just like Jimi Hendrix. I remember hearing Jimi Hendrix stuff and going, really? Like, that's the tone everybody's looking for. And yeah. now I listen to it again and I go, but that's Jimmy. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want it any different. Yeah. And he was using strats and marshals. Yeah. With a fuzz face and a Vox wah. Yeah. You know, 
And that's all there is to it. Which, okay, which brings us then to like pedals. So when you think of pedals, what kind of gear do you think of when you think of rock and roll pedals? Ibanez Tube Screamer. Absolutely. Because, you know, Tube Screamer, you've got your your Gary Moores. You've yeah. got your Steve Ray Vaughns. Your, well, mm-hmm. even modern people like John Mayer, if you want to call him rock, probably more pop. But Joe Bonamassa, he's definitely rock or, yeah. or blues rock at least. Yeah. Well, everybody was just trying to get more gain. Yeah. Out of those Marshalls. And so they were hitting the front end and that was one way they could do it. You know, Brian May, uh, you know, he used the treble booster, you know, the uh, yes. range final treble booster. So those were popular. Yeah. Uh, which I believe you too also did the treble booster. Yeah. The edge. Yeah. That's, that's what they had. You know, we have so many options now. Yeah. They didn't have that many, you know, they just used what they had, you know, and like going back to Pete Townsend, you know, he he had connections with Marshall, means like, hey, you know, there isn't anything out there that'll do what I need it to do. Can you build me this? You know, we talked about in this previous podcast, too. He actually wanted, instead of a 4x12, like we're used to it, a double stack, you know, two 4x12s on top of each other. He had an 8x12 that, yeah. that the roadies were, like, sick of moving around, so they finally just cut it in half. And they're like, hey, we're on to something here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, all of these guys that are aged now, they helped invent the sound of rock and roll as we know it today. Yeah. Because remember the Marshall amp, when it was first designed, it was designed to be played clean. But mm-hmm. a lot of these guys, at first it was just for sheer volume. They, they just learned that it got grittier as they turned it up. And that's become, that became the core of the rock sound that we, to this day, we still yeah. love. You know, everybody's well, trying with to the gain came energy and they loved the energy. And that's yeah. a lot of it too. And that that's actually okay to to talk about another pedal. You look really early and you look at the stones and you look at satisfaction. I mean satisfaction was the maestro fuzz tone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Gibson made this thing and it was kind of like a well maestro made this thing and they were just kind of like okay, we're going to give this a shot. We're going to see what it would what would happen if we just added something just to add sheer noise to it, like just gurgly noise. And sure enough, that's what they did. They made this this pedal. And actually, my dad owns one of the first 500 pedals ever made of the Maestro Fuzz Tone. Whoa. I bet that's worth something. Um, you know what? I'm going to pull it out so you can see it. Podcasters can't, but you'll see it. Okay. Hold on. Have you looked up the value of it? I probably could, but yeah, this is it right there. Wow. That is so beautiful. Yeah, it is serial number 414. It is a model FZ1. It says Gibson Incorporated, made in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. You need to do a video podcast, uh, a YouTube of that pedal. Well, it would be super fun. Actually, I heard a rumor that Satisfaction was originally made on a Showman and this pedal. Hmm. And Dad has and the 64 Showman both. and yep. this pedal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All I need is whatever guitar he was using at that time, and it's great. Actually, what's super funny about this pedal is you notice that it has a chord with it? Yeah. So what's super funny is <laughs> this chord... Back then, you got a cable with it. Okay. It just 
is completely plugged in so it's not whoa you can't unplug it it's huh. just what it is so people used to mod them with a quarter inch jack so that you didn't have to have their silly cable with it hmm. well this one still has it so Rhett Scholl would go gaga over that and you know what Rhett if you happen to ever hear this and you mm-hmm. want to hear this thing play and you want to play it I would be happy to let <laughs> you borrow it just keep in mind I'm coming with the pedal. All right? <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so very cool. And I tell you what, when you plug it in, it sounds terrible. Just oh, really? awful for <laughs> all of the right and wrong reasons. And you know what? Maybe maybe that's a YouTube video. You'll just have to notice that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I listen to people, Rhett being one of them, and I just don't play the right style to work with a fuzz pedal. And when people yeah. play the fuzz play to the fuzz the way it's meant to be played. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is really cool. But I don't, I don't do it. I, I, I never got it. I, I, I get it now. I get how it needs I to get be played. It. Cause I was trying I, to do, I, fi- I was trying to do big full chords. That's not what nope. you do with a fuzz pedal. That's not a fuzz pedal. Single lines is fuzz pedal. Mm-hmm. A few double stops, double like that's a fuzz pedal, but I, and I'm with you. I did the exact same thing. Actually, I just did a podcast with Chris Sweeney, who is our sound guy over at my church, and he is a fuzz guy. I was like, man, I just can't get into fuzzes. But it makes sense if you're into you know, single note lines. You can really make a fuzz dynamic and big and full. And when you think of satisfaction... Dun, 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 dun. It's yeah. single lines that sound yeah. huge. And yeah. you go, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. I get it. Yeah. So I want to bring up one more of the pedals that I think of when I think of rock and roll. And that one more is the Proco Rat. Mm. When I think of rock and roll, I think of that. And Gilmore, Jeff Beck, and of course, the Foo Fighters. They've been known to use a rat. A rat into a marshal? I think that's heaven on earth. Yeah. For rock and roll. Yeah, it's good. So that brings me to my last one, because we talked about amps, we talked about pedals, guitars. When you think rock and roll, what guitars do you think of in rock and roll? You know, that's changed a lot for me, because when I first started paying attention to rock and roll, the hair band stuff came after I was really getting into stuff, but it was close. It was right in there. So what was Eddie Van Halen playing? You know, he had a, oh, yeah. a strat, a strat, strat. Yeah. a strap. He had a, he had a strat neck on a, like a, a strap body, strap body. Yeah. He, he switched out different necks with the bodies, but, but he routed out the single coil to put a humbucker yep. in there, which again, a lot, we talk about these dying guys that created a lot of their own instruments, a lot, you know, look at Tom Scholz from Boston. He literally built his own amplifiers and it drove yeah. a whole sound that a lot of, even ZZ Top used some of that stuff on some of their albums, stuff that mm-hmm. we listen to. These are the guys that are getting older now that really drove where we're at today. Now we're trying to emulate those sounds. They were actually creating yeah. those things. Yeah. So Eddie with his, with that, but a lot of the guys around that time were using more like strat bodied guitars you know like the ibanezes and the jacksons when i was really starting to pay attention but now because we didn't have youtube you know i wasn't able to see what they were actually playing 
now that I look back at, at on YouTube and I see what some of these guys were actually playing right before that, bands that are listened to, they they were playing the Tellies and the Les Pauls, and yeah. uh, you know, like Billy Squire. I love his rock tone. A lot of that is just Les Paul and, and Tellies, and obviously Tom Petty, jangly rock and roll. That was that thing in Mellon Camp and and Brian Adams. They were Strats, you know. But yep. the rock, the rock guys, you know, ZZ Top, he still records everything on a '59 Les Paul. When yeah. he when he when he tours, he's got all kinds of of guitars. But when he records, it's that guitar, and so he's still yeah. that's the tone. And so even though my initial reaction is, I should say, you know, I think of I I, I should say I I think of rock and roll as as more of the the strap bodies with the humbuckers shoved and all those, the Dean guitars, the Jacksons, the, yep. the Ibanez, all of those. But I don't really. I still think a rock mm-hmm. and roll as really more like a Les Paul. You know, like guys yeah. like Ted Nugent were still playing. And, and you know, and uh, Leonard Skinner, yeah. you know, Strats and Les yeah. Pauls. Jimi Hendrix, Strats. You know, Eric Clapton, right. Les Pauls, Strats. You know, that's... And 335s. Yes, that's true. And so, yeah. but um, I will you, bring up this little part before you go on with that. Also, Eric Clapton, SG. No, well, that's true. Pete Townsend, yeah. SG, uh, ACDC, SG, yeah. right? And so I'm with you on that. And I, I'm, I think Les Paul, Strat, but then I throw in SG as well. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So if you would have asked younger Lloyd back in, you know, the late 80s, I would have had the first answer i would have been like oh well it's strats it's it's kramers it's ibanez's Mm -hmm. it's i wouldn't even have said strats because it wasn't really it was it was strat bodies with slim necks and humbuckers that's what everybody was playing you know they're all painted like fluorescent green and and pink and orange you know and true yeah and and in the spandex just affected the tone in a way that you just can't replicate to this day The, the tone is in the spandex yeah it apparently is yeah, it's more interaction with the body, which generates greater tone. Tone, right down to the floor. Yeah, it's just a direct, just yeah. the vibrations go right down the, the pant leg, right to the floor. Yep. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's something to this. Yeah, it's a grounding issue. I would love you to do this YouTube video. Yeah, I bet you would. I bet you would. I'm sure the <laughs> 60 cycle hum goes away because of the spandex. Mm-hmm. It's because That's of right. the grounding issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's That's done. Right. Yeah. We don't know it not to be true. <laughs> so I, I'm with you. I, I mostly think of SGs and Les Pauls, and I also add in the Telecaster. Now, I did not put the Strat, but that's mostly because when I think of rock and roll tone with a Strat, it has a humbucker in the back. Yeah. And that's not a Strat to me. No. I'm not saying it couldn't be a Strat. I'm just saying it's not. No. And... A lot of that comes to really the people that I've followed over time. You mentioned Leonard Skinnerd, Absolutely. i surprised that did not come up sooner. Um, but when mm-hmm. I think of ZZ Top, a lot of times I think of, of a Gretsch. But at the same time, him with his Flying V, him with his Les Paul. I mean, it's just, it's gold. And then we have not talked about this group yet, but Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. What's Slash without a Les Paul? Yeah. Black Crows. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another band Another band that uh, 
there's, there's, you know, we all have the list of bands we want to see before they stop playing or before they die. I don't know if that was one of your questions later. Uh, it is to not, but that's a good but, one. But the Black Crows are top of the list for me. Like I said, I saw Sammy Hagar about a month ago. Again, really, because I'm like, I don't know when he's going to play again. You know? And yeah. when he's done, who's going to play these classic Van Halen tunes that was part of his era? You know? Yeah. Probably no one. Well, so. and I'm still in the same spot of, I love Aerosmith. And they're still all alive. Yeah. So if they ever go back out again, I may have to like go ahead and jump out and go see Aerosmith. You know, to some extent, you will see the Stones go back out. Mm. <laughs> and that's going to be a rough geriatric concert. But you know what? <laughs> I, you know, when else are you going to be able to say that you actually got to see it? But you mentioned the Foo Fighters, and that's yeah. on my list. Yeah, me too. Um, I missed my Taylor era. Yeah. And I think that some people feel the same way about some of the bands, like maybe ACDC, because they don't have Bon Scott, you know, and they're like, or, oh, or now Malcolm. I got to go see Brian yeah. Johnson, which, by the way, has done a great job with the band for the last, you know, whatever, 50 years. But all that to say that there is some bucket list bands that I think we need to end up seeing. I just heard that the Who are going to be playing. Uh... They're doing Chicago and St. Louis coming up. And I've never been a big The Who fan, but it's The Who. You know, I'm kind of like, yeah, man, maybe I should go. Okay. Um, Queen, I would love to see Queen if I could get a chance to see them. Yeah, but terrible enough, I'd rather see the tribute band because actual Queen has Adam Lambert and they don't sound like Queen anymore. But the tribute band with Mark Martell sounds like Queen. So I yeah. want them. Yeah, no, I get that. So this brings up an interesting little uh, little point. When we look at who is doing rock now, who's doing it right? Who's Who's got rock and roll and they're like, man, that sounds good. I'm going to throw out a very controversial statement. I think that the group that is doing rock and roll the best right now is country music. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Keith Urban, Jason Aldean, Carrie Underwood. I, I'm just saying they, they're playing a lot of Les Pauls and yeah. a lot of SGs. Yeah. Eric and Church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, no, I, I agree. That's, I am, um, I have a hard time in spurts with the latest crop of songs that they keep pushing over and over and over and over again, at least on my yeah. country radio station that I have. So then I get tired that's of true. it and I turn it off. But that's what keeps bringing me back is because that's where the guitar is. I love yeah. guitar music and I, I, I want it. And I uh, looked up the other day because, you know, I, I figured this, we would end up going down this road of uh, who's doing it well right now. And I'm like, you know, I have no idea what. Yeah. And I think part of it was because popular music is not where the guitar rock is being played. There are bands out there that are doing it, but unless you hunt it out, it doesn't grab you off the radio anymore because the radio isn't playing that stuff, you know, right? at least not in my area. You know, the, a lot of the stations, the, you know, you have the, you have the classic rock stations, the country station, the Christian station, and then you have a bunch of modern pop stations, but I don't hear any newer 
outside of like the Foo Fighters, and they don't get a lot of play. And of course, they're not actually new either, but you know, they're much younger. I mean, like I said, they're in their 50s. Yeah. So the other day, just looking, I, I went on YouTube and I looked up the, the top 10 songs on Billboard mainstream music was. And what yeah. I was shocked was how the 70s, all of them, most of them, I shouldn't say all of them, probably, probably seven of the 10, though. I was like, man, we're getting back to the 70s here. Yeah. And there actually was some guitar in these tunes. And I'm like, yep. okay, you know, it sounded a little bit more like the 70s, a little bit more the the earth, wind, and fire, the funk kind of that you get. And I'm really? like, yeah. everything R&B. Yeah. R&B. And I went, you know, maybe, just maybe, we'll follow the same. So, so in a few years, the rock will be coming back. Everything's cyclical anyway, and I'm, I'm, yeah. Maybe it'll follow the same pattern, you know. Get the guitar in there, and and I don't know. I hope, but I know somebody listening to this podcast would be like, "What are you talking about?" There's all kinds of great rock bands out there, and I'm like, they don't get played on the radio much. There might, I'm sure, yes. there's a lot of really great rock bands out there, but yep. the rock bands that are being played on the radio are the ones from the '70s, '80s, and somewhat early '90s. Yeah, that's, that's true. And and I know that there's a bunch of different ones out there, like 21 Pilots and Imagine Dragons. These are like some of the newer yeah. ones that I honestly yeah. don't know a ton about. And they're also doing kind of that pop thing as well. But what's interesting is, is things have changed, you know, like in the 50s through like the 70s, it was the record stores and radio that pushed the narrative. Who are you going to listen to? In the 90s, it was CDs, it was sales, it was radio, it was videos, MTV, VH1. Nowadays, it's different. It's social media, it's SoundCloud, it's YouTube that will push the narrative of where you're going. And the thing is, is the consumer, they're the ones that have decided what they're going to listen to and more people now aren't investing in an artist they're investing in a song yes and it's really kind of changed the whole idea of how the music industry is really going which leads me to probably our last little thing which is this i teach school all right i teach high school and i've been doing this for about 8 years now And within the last two years since the pandemic started, I've had more students in the last two years than ever before say that they play guitar. Hmm. And so I've decided to bring a guitar every once in a while and just wait until the end of the class and then go, hey, I I brought a guitar. You want to see it? You know, and if there's time at the end of class, we'll do it. If it if not, then we'll just go to the passing period and I'll just show you it and whatever. And I've had kids play my guitar, and they play really well. Mm. And we're talking about like 15 to 17-year-olds. Mm. And they're playing blues, and they're playing rock. They're not like going, okay, let's, let's see what we can do, and it sounds like a synthesizer. No, like they're playing like good stuff, and I'm going, ooh, I'd like to know that. Like that was really good. And so that mm. leads me to... Who's actually nurturing this next step? And I think to some extent, it's us old farts who are teaching their kids how to play and teaching their generation how to play. But I also look at some of the artists 
that some of these old brands that we say are rock and roll, Fender, Marshall, Gibson, whatever, who are these artists that they currently have? And they have artist guitars, signature guitars that they're doing. And I did a list. <laughs> I, I think it's funny when you look at the list of people, because you look at people like Johnny Marr. Yeah. He's 58. Joe Strummer, who was from The Clash. Yeah, he died at 50. <laughs> and they still have the signature guitar. Kurt Cobain. Yeah, he died at 27. Mm-hmm. And they have his signature guitar. You know, and so you look at some of these and you go, okay, well, there's Kingfish. He's that new blues guy. He's great, though. He's 23. But I started looking at some of these, and I'm gonna just I'm just gonna name off a bunch of them, and I will only name off people who are under the age of 40 that have a signature guitar from Fender. Okay. Kingfish, her, H-E-R. Does Jimi Hendrix count? Because he died at 27. No, I guess he doesn't. <laughs> Chash Sultana? It's a one-woman band. I, I don't really know that one. Okay. Corey Wong. He does. He's 37. Wow, I didn't know he had his own signature. Good yeah, for him. And, and that's it. Otherwise, if you're going over the age of 40, you have Kenny Wayne Shepard. You have Lincoln Brewster. You have Jimmy Vaughn. John Mayer. Jay Maskus, John Mayer, which no longer anymore. Uh, Troy Van Leeuwen from Queens of the Stone Age. Buddy Guy, Richie Blackmore, Brad Paisley, Richie Cozen, Eric Clapton, Robert Cray. I mean, you've got all these people that are well over the age of 40. So you kind of go, how are these people being influenced? And then you go to Gibson and you go, okay, here I'm going to name off all the people under 40 that have a Gibson signature guitar. Lizzie Hale. Luke Nelson. They did a limited run for him. Do you know who Luke Nelson is? No. He is Willie Nelson's son, and he plays with another band. He's 27. Okay. All right. All right, we have completed the list of people under 40 that have a signature guitar from Oh, my Gibson. gosh. Okay. Everyone else... Brian Ray, 67. Of course, Les Paul, he died at 94. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Trini Lopez, 80, died at 83. Chuck Berry, died at 90. Joe Perry, he's 72. Adam Jones from Tool, 57. Noel Gallagher, 55. Rick Beato, 60. Yeah, I heard he just got his uh, own signature. That's a new one, which really surprised me. So you're like, okay, who is Gibson actually trying to make (laughs) play their stuff? And then you go to like Marshall and you look at some of those and there are definitely a lot of younger ones. But you also still have the signature artists of Angus Young, Joe Perry, Malcolm Young. So I bring up all of that. I know that was super boring for a number of people for like five minutes, but I bring up all that to say rock is surviving. Rock is moving on. My only complaint, if we don't want rock to die, we need to energize a younger generation. And I'm believing that the only true people out there that are trying to find a signature artist that is someone that is going to influence the current artist is really like PRS. 
Because hmm. PRS has been trying to nail down that younger age range. And I went to look up a bunch of them, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't know who they were. And hmm. part of the reason why is because PRS started this new program pulse artists and these pulse artists are basically people who just say yeah i i i'm an influencer of some sort and i want to play prs and it is absolutely brilliant i don't know who any yeah. of these people are but i can tell you this out of the 20 people that they decided to pick i guarantee you all of them are going to be putting stuff up and they're going to be super excited because no one has ever sponsored them believed in what they did like PRS is allowed to, and PRS is an amazing company. Yeah, I uh, I know the PRS train is hasn't left me, but I uh, I go back, you know, like twenty years and go the 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 few times that I seriously considered buying a PRS but never did. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I totally uh, I should totally should have jumped on board long long time ago. Yeah, still don't have one, and I jumped on board. And I enjoyed being on board of that train. And then that train only started having first class. And that's when I jumped off. <laughs> because they decided to make a coach called the SE model. And yeah. once you've gone first class, you can't go back to coach. Yeah, and I never bought into the SE model anyway. So this probably brings us to final thoughts. And final thoughts on Rock is Dying. What do, what do you think, Lloyd? Like I said, you see what the top grossing tours of last year are, and it's mostly the 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 big rock guys are still bringing in the big share of the revenue. Now that's driven by yep. a lot of people like us, our age and older. I understand that, but when yeah, I we have more money I, now, so we can buy. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But the amount of youth that I have met over the last you know four or five years who are like going, oh man. I love Journey. I love, you know, this Def Leppard song or Van Halen, you know, trying to play Eruption or whatever on the guitar. And I go, okay. So it's not dead. It's it's just that the kids that I meet who are into rock, they're listening to stuff that was, you know, that's 40, 50 years old now. Where's the new rock? You know, Foo Fighters, a lot of people listen to Foo Fighters, but they've been around for 20 years already too. So rock isn't dead. I'm just not sure. You know, we're, we're still waiting for that band or that individual or something to really come around and to really spark again, you know, spark everybody to yeah. go, whoa, what are they doing? And to make it and bring it mainstream again, because it, it outside of the classic stuff, the modern rock, at least in my world, I'll give that as a caveat. It, it doesn't it's not mainstream right now. Yeah. So in that sense. It's not dead. It's sitting in a recliner, you know, on the, on the porch, kind of looking out at uh, going, well, you know, one of these days I'll get off this porch and I'll, I'll go out and play in the yard again. But right now I'm just going to sit here and play my acoustic, you know. <laughs> yeah, whittle some wood, maybe yeah. have a Werther's original in their pocket to give to their, mm -hmm. their little maybe. grandson. Light up a cigar, yeah. going, I'm, I'm not yeah. dead yet. Yeah, I'll be yeah. back. But I'm old enough not to care anymore. I get it, mm. which is actually yep. kind of the most rock and roll thing you can do. See, the rock is still there. Yeah, it's still yeah. there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, in, in my final thoughts, I would agree that I don't think that rock is dead because people like you and me are still alive. 
people still love The Rock. And actually, the the box offices, the, the ticket prices are supporting that Rock is not dead. Now, as far as the people, I don't see the next generation. So is it dying? I think to some extent it's dying. And I am really looking for that AED to show up, that automatic external defibrillator to show up and go, shock advised. And now it is time to go ahead and just revive rock and roll to what it has been before. That's not to say there aren't people out there doing it, because I think there are a number of bands out there that are doing it. You know, Greta Van Fleet has been trying to do it. Yeah. Well, I guess technically Muse is still doing it. And, um, you know, Kings of Leon is still doing it. Like there's still people out there doing it. But at the same time, we're looking for that younger group, that group to go out there and be the next who? Stones, yeah. Zeppelin, ACDC. Who's going to take four chords and just rearrange the strumming pattern and make it awesome? like ACDC. Who's going to do that with a wall of marshals? <laughs> that might that ship may have sailed. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to bring that one back. With a wall of quad cortexes. <laughs> with a fake <laughs> wall of marshals. And it might be that. It really might be that. I, I wouldn't be surprised true. if you do see all the, the fake wall of speakers just to bring that back. But no, but I think that that's kind of what I'm thinking about is it's going to, the, their younger crowd, it's going to take somebody to revive it, but it's going to be a younger crowd that's been influenced by kind of the same people that influenced some of the rockers. You know, it's going to be somebody yeah. who listened up, grew up listening to Hendrix and to Clapton. Yep. And, you know, and they're going to be like, ah, oh. and, and those the are the Beatles ones. and Bob yeah. Dylan. Yeah. Not, <laughs> and the big not, bopper. I know. And, and not anybody <laughs> and who really, Holly. anybody who really grew up in the last, this is my prediction anyway, anybody who grew, any of the bands that they that have been having a hit single out there in the last 30 years. Because a lot of them are listening to stuff that predates that. And it's going to, yeah. it's going to, there's going to be somebody who's got that special something who's going to uh, ignite the fire again. And like I said, you know, the 70s apparently are kind of back and everything's cyclical. So yeah, I trust it'll be back. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, Lloyd, I think this was a great therapy session. I feel better about rock dying. I'm, I'm ready for the funeral. <laughs> so I appreciate this group therapy. Me as well. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Until next time. Ta-ta. <laughs> Bye. Well, that's all the time we have for the Tweet Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave five stars in a review. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time. Come on.